Just sit back and relax. No need to think too deeply. It'll all be over soon. You're doing the right thing. Everyone says so. You'll be helping people. All you have to do is stay very, very still. Just wait. They need to get a clean cut. Can't risk moving and ruining the whole thing. Okay, they're ready. The blades inch forward, closer and closer to the back of your neck before... Oh, okay. Well, I guess that haircut wasn't too bad. I'm your host, Harper Hunt, and this is Cursed Knowledge. in cursed knowledge, I like to consider myself a renaissance woman. And common knowledge is pretty much what it sounds like. It's knowledge you can safely assume that everyone else knows. Information that is so widely known and accepted to be true. Think of things like, there are four seasons in a year. Two plus two equals four. China is a country in Asia. You don't need to look up those facts or double-check them. You know they're correct. You know I know. And I know that you know that I know. Common knowledge. But common knowledge isn't always true. Sometimes the fact that everyone knows something isn't a ringing endorsement, but a flaw in the system. The most famous example of this is the Mandela Effect. The Mandela Effect is, if you'll forgive some big words, an observed phenomenon in which a large segment of the population misremembers a significant event or shares a memory of an event that did not actually occur. Basically, a lot of people are convinced of something that never actually happened. The term comes from how people had vivid recollections of Nelson Mandela dying in prison in the 1980s when he actually died in 2013, peacefully at home. Now, you've definitely experienced the Mandela Effect before. Is it the Berenstain Bears or the Berenstain Bears? Or how about movie quotes? Some of the most famous quotes of all time were never actually said in that movie. I'm talking, there's no play it again, Sam, no mirror, mirror on the wall, and Darth Vader never said, Luke, I am your father. So what gives? We all remember these quotes, and I mean, they're iconic. Well, that's the power of the Mandela effect. But Mandela moments are created by accident, and sometimes people purposefully manipulate the common knowledge for their own gain. I know, people being selfish and manipulative? What else is new? Well, we know to expect it from businesses, politicians, and media, but not charities. So let's talk about locks of love. Oh yeah, we're ruining this for you today. If you haven't heard of it before, how? But anyway, the common knowledge is this. They're a charity that uses donations of hair to create wigs for children who lost their hair due to cancer. It's so far beyond wholesome and right into tooth-achingly sweet territory. It's also a total lie. Well, almost. They do accept hair donations. They do make wigs. 
and they do give these wigs to children who lost their hair. That might seem like it covers everything, but the devil's in the details, so let's take it piece by piece. Donations. This is the easiest and least objectionable part of the process. Locks of Love accepts two types of donations. The first, well, obviously, money. You can give a financial donation to help cover their day-to-day costs. The second is the most famous, hair. Anyone can donate their hair as long as they have 10 or more inches to give. Hey, you were cutting it off anyway. You can either throw it in the trash or donate it to help sick kids. The process is pretty simple. Colored or permed hair is acceptable. Curly hair has to measure at least 10 inches when pulled straight. The hair has to be in a ponytail or braid, so you can't just sweep it off the floor. They don't accept dreadlocks, as the wig-making process requires them to brush out the hair. Now, they do say very clearly on their website that gray hair may be sold to offset manufacturing costs. But come on, how many kids want gray hair anyway? You can make a donation at any salon. Just tell them you want to donate your hair before the appointment, and they'll be able to walk you through it. And Locks of Love benefits from being a name brand. People recognize the name and are more likely to donate their hair to this organization than any other charity. But not all donations become wigs. As mentioned before, Locks of Love sells some of the donations they receive to offset manufacturing costs. In 2011, they made $500,000. Not too bad, but it does get worse. Technically, Locks of Love makes custom hair pieces, but they're wigs. They work with the wig manufacturer TaylorMade to create the hair pieces. Locks of Love provides the hair and then buys the wigs wholesale for around $1,000. From there, they send the wigs to grateful recipients. But they don't distribute as many as you think they do. In 2007, the New York Times revealed that in the 10 years the charity had been running, it provided about 2,000 wigs for free or at a reduced price. That sounds amazing! And now I'm about to burst your bubble and let you know that they received 2,000 hair donations every week during that time frame. Now, it certainly takes more than a single donation to create a wig. I'm not expecting a one-to-one ratio here. But 200 wigs a year with 2,000 donations a week is insane. And it's only them that have this problem. A different hair donation charity, Pantene Beautiful Lengths, distributed 2,000 wigs to women with cancer in their first year, and that was with 18,000 donations. So with fewer donations, they produced more wigs in less time. Want some more numbers? Forbes did some number crunching in 2013 and found that in 2011, Locks of Love received about 104,000 hair donations and produced 317 hair pieces equaling out to 328 hair donations to produce one wig. Pantene had 65,000 donations for 3,500 hair pieces, equaling to 19 donations to produce one wig. Now, in Locks of Love's defense, they have said in response to that article that they made 317 wigs because they had 317 requests. Numbers don't lie, and these numbers are pretty damning. And I'm about to make it worse. Remember a little while ago when I said Locks of Love made 500000 off selling donated hair in 2011? The same year they made 317 wigs? Well, everyone, it's time for more numbers. 
if Locks of Love made 500,000 hair donations and spent roughly 317,000 buying the finished wigs wholesale, where did that 200,000 go? So now it's time to talk about who Locks of Love makes wigs for. Children. According to their website, Locks of Love is devoted to helping every child suffering medical hair loss. The recipients of their wigs are financially disadvantaged children suffering from long-term medical hair loss from any diagnosis. Now, the wording is a little vague and very broad, and common knowledge has led us to believe this applies to children undergoing chemotherapy. But that's not always the truth. The truth is that Locks of Love was created to benefit sufferers of alopecia, an autoimmune disorder that causes hair follicles to shut down. In addition to scalp hair, sufferers can lose eyelashes, eyebrows, and all body hair. The effects are permanent, and there is no known cure. That's not to say that no children with cancer receive wigs. They do give wigs to cancer patients, burn victims, and others who suffer permanent hair loss. But that's the key word, permanent. Children who suffer from temporary hair loss are unlikely to receive the official Locks of Love prosthetic and instead will be sent a more traditional, less substantial wig. And yes, most cancer patients are considered to suffer temporary hair loss. In addition to that bullshit, applicants, or rather their parents, have to submit the following. A 2,000-word essay on why their child qualifies for a wig, a picture of said child, letters of reference, a doctor's diagnosis, and financial information. Families making over 100000 will not be eligible. And you thought college applications were tough. Now, I'll be fair. You could find this out if you go dig deep into their website, look up articles, trawl Reddit, and check out their tax filings. But that's not what common knowledge is. What people know about locks of love and the reality of locks of love are extremely different. The hairdressers who collect and send in the donations don't know that these donations will likely be sold to an unknown party. The people donating their hair don't know. There are countless social media videos and posts documenting thousands of donations to Locks of Love with the express belief that they'll be helping cancer patients. Hell, I donated with this belief. The inaccurate common knowledge is hurting both sides. Children with cancer are applying because they believe that the organization will help them when it won't. And most alopecia sufferers don't know that this organization was literally made for them, and so they don't apply. Now, let's go back to the numbers for a second. As I began my research for this podcast, I found myself going down the rabbit hole. I mean, I decided to spend my week going through the Locks of Love 990 tax filings from 2016 to 2019. Take a look under the hood. See how the sausage gets made. Put on my deer stalker cap and play detective. Here's what I found. The Locks of Love team consists of about six employees. I don't know who they are or what they do. But as of 2019, there were six of them. And they were paid $225,000 altogether. Individually, they each made roughly $37,500. Now, while there were six employees, there are seven people on the board of directors. Only one, the general manager, received any official compensation. 62000 in case you were wondering. Now, for some big numbers. The total reported assets were over $6 million. That includes land, building, and equipment worth just under $2 million, and security investments worth over $4 million. Might not be the most liquid, 
but Locks of Love certainly has resources. So let's talk connections. Now, as I explained earlier, Locks of Love partners with TaylorMade to create the wigs. In these filings, that goes under independent contractors. A quick note on independent contractors. You only have to mention them on the tax filings if you paid them more than 100000 So in 2016, So in 2016, Locks of Love listed TaylorMade as an independent contractor who has paid 123000 for prosthesis. TaylorMade is not listed in any filing since. In 2019, they provided 103 wigs. These wigs, along with running their social media, reportedly cost them 542685 but they did not list TaylorMade as an independent contractor. What was mentioned in 2019 was research. They spent exactly 100000 on research. What are they researching? I have no idea. They added this expense in 2018 also for a flat 100000 So what does that all mean? Let me be clear. They're not mustache-twirling villains stealing money from kids. There was no outrageous compensation or company yachts. Locks of Love does provide wigs for children. But they could be doing so much more. I'm not accusing them of malicious acts, but I do want to hold them accountable for their inaction. They could be doing so much more. They have everything they could need. They have the money, the hair, and the reputation. They could be far more productive in their mission to help children. Childhood baldness hasn't gone away. There are still thousands of kids who could benefit from this program. But instead, they rest on their laurels, content to let the common knowledge bolster the reputation despite not doing much to deserve it. In an ideal world, Locks of Love would step up and fulfill all of the promise and potential they possess. But I'm not that optimistic. So I'll settle for spreading some cursed knowledge to try to change the common knowledge. I hope you learned something new. And remember, the real curse is sharing this information with your friends, family, and unsuspecting coworkers. If you enjoyed this production, like, share, and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. And please tell us some of your most cursed knowledge by joining us on the forums at epsilontheory.com. By the way, Miss Piggy and Yoda have the same voice actor.